Hello, you're listening to On Israel in Al Monitor. I am Ben Kaspit from Tel Aviv. The war in Europe is still casting a huge shadow over Israeli politics, Israeli society, Israeli public debate. Uh, on Sunday evening, we found out that Israel's Prime Minister, uh, Naftali Bennett, is in Moscow. He flew there, along with uh, Minister Zev Elkin, who speaks Russian and was born in, uh, in Kiev, in, uh, in Ukraine, uh, Saturday morning. Uh, although uh, they are, both of them are uh, observing uh, and practicing Jews that they should not fly or drive or move or work on Saturday, they did it because uh, it, it's a national security and life and death matter. There is now a public debate over this uh, effort of, uh, of Bennett to mediate uh, between uh, Putin and Zelensky, between Russia and the rest of the world. Uh, the criticism is that uh, the risk is too high, and it also helps Putin uh, to get back maybe some of the lost uh, legitimacy of uh, Russia and of Putin itself. Uh, on the other side, there are people that say that uh, the risk is that Putin will try uh, to sabotage the Israeli uh, action in the nor northern front of Israel, above uh, the Syrian skies, where Russia is present as well. But I think most of the Israeli, as well as most of uh, the leaders uh, in the world, see this effort as interesting. And uh, if there is a slight chance that uh, Bennett, uh, who has a, an intimate, intimate relationship with Putin and Zelensky, can try and do something in order to uh, maybe to stop or, or have a, a humanitarian ceasefire or something before we will find ourselves in, in, in a terrible war. There was another event in Israel last week. It was a, a, a major cyber annual convention. It is called CyberTech. And one of the, of the keynote speakers there was Dr. Erel Margalit, that you probably know. He, he joined us once, I guess it was one and a half years ago here in this podcast. Erel Margalit is actually Mr. Hightech is uh, the leading and most prominent Israeli high-tech and cyber entrepreneur, heads the JDP Group, the Margalit uh, uh, Startup City uh, uh, system. And he said uh, several very interesting things in this uh, convention about cyber in war and about the need, maybe the urgent need, uh, for the free world to establish the NATO uh, uh, cyber, something like a cyber, a democratic cyber alliance that will fight dictatorships, criminals, darknet, etc., and help preserve uh, democracy, life, etc. And Dr. Ren Margalit will be our guest right after this short break. I'm Elizabeth Hagedorn, and I'm the State Department Correspondent at El Monitor. And I'm Joe Snell. I'm El Monitor's video editor. Let's admit it. This past year has been difficult to stay on top of the news and sift through what's accurate and what's misleading. Let El Monitor help you. If you care about the Middle East and North Africa, you should consider listening to El Monitor's audio series on the Middle East with Andrew Parasoliti and Amber and Zaman, and on Israel with Ben Caspi. 
You can now watch our newest video podcast, Reading the Middle East with Gilles Capel. You can subscribe to these series on your favorite podcast platforms. And through a host of free daily and weekly newsletters, we offer a range of perspectives with the highest journalistic standards. You can subscribe to these newsletters at almonitor.com. As an award-winning media service headquartered in Washington, D.C., Almonitor has a network of over 160 contributors around the world. So if you haven't done so already, be sure to visit almonitor.com, where you can find all of these newsletters and podcasts along with first-class reporting and analysis. I'm privileged to welcome to our show a friend and colleague and one of uh, the most prominent Israeli uh, high-tech ent- entrepreneurs and cyber expert, Dr. Erel Margalit. How are you doing? Shalom, Erel. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Ben. It's a ple- pleasure and a privilege to be here again. I want to us to dive into your expertise in, uh, in uh, high-tech and cyber uh, vis-a-vis the war in, in Europe. But first, I have to ask you, you spent a few years in politics, and uh, how do you see the complexity of the Israeli uh, situation right now? As you, I'm sure, follow, uh, Prime Minister Bennett and Foreign Minister Lapid are trying to hold the, the stick in, in both ends and uh, to talk. And actually, the Prime Minister is doing it. He's talking to Vladimir Putin and, and Volodymyr Zelensky, uh, almost in the same time, we are we belong to the Western camp, but we are not dominant there. And there is a criticism in Israel about it and a, a public debate. And we start hearing uh, voices from Washington that are not very happy with it. What you uh, what would you uh, have done in this situation? Well, I think that the situation should be clear. Israel needs to stand with NATO, it needs to stand with the US and the democratic countries. Um, This is a broad battle between democracies and uh, dictatorships. And when a dictatorship comes and attacks another country uh, where so many Jews live and when so many uh, uh, freedoms of individuals are infringed, Israel needs to speak up. And yes, we understand the need to coordinate uh, military activities uh, against Iran over Syria. And that's something that needs to be dealt with separately. But I do think that Israel needs to stand firmly and strongly. And it would have to do with what I will say next is that the democratic countries and countries that want to protect individuals need to be firm and strong. And the cyber alliance needs to be there in addition to what we're doing in NATO because there's a cold war out there of countries and uh, bad guys that are attacking uh, Western and uh, free democracies, um, attacking the infrastructure and attacking the democracies themselves and the individuals. And we need to stand firmly against it, especially when Israel is the second strongest country in cybersecurity warfare. And we will go there in a second because you you just uh, we, you spoke uh, uh, last week in in the uh, the cyber con- uh, big convention in Israel and had a few very interesting ideas that I want us to speak with. But uh, but I understand from you that you think uh, the, the the current situation 
uh, when we are trying to speak uh, in two vo voices or maybe double standards, has to be stopped and we, we, we have to, to, to be there strongly and not to try and, you know, and hide ourselves among the crowd. Exactly. I mean, uh, I'm kind of surprised, not that I don't understand the practical coordination that needs to be with Russia here in the Middle East. I understand it completely. But when something like this happens, Israel needs to stand strong because tomorrow it can happen to us. And because we have a set of uh, ideas and a set of values that we need to abide by. And every young Israeli that's, uh, uh, you know, that, that lives in a democracy, that wants to cherish democracy, that wants to see people protected, needs to speak up. And the government needs to stop playing games, speak clearly and strongly against the aggression of Putin and for the people of Russia, because the people of Russia and so many Russians are good friends of ours. They are cooperating with us, just like the people of the Ukraine. Um, so we're for the people, but we're against dictatorship and we are against such a strong act of violence against the free country, because when this happens now, what would happen next? It's dangerous and it needs to be stopped. Okay, I want to, to, I want to ask you about uh, Ukraine, and I, I hear the figures, and I, I wonder if you, you, you can confirm it, that Israeli high-tech industry employs 50,000 Ukrainians in Ukraine, and if so, do you think we, we, maybe we will suffer some damage in our industry here in Israel? And if I may, what do you think about the chances to bring now, maybe between, I, I heard from the from Minister Ayel Chaket, between 150 and 200 uh, Ukrainian and Russian Jews that will, uh, will decide to, uh, to change their life, uh, leave the, this uh, place in Europe or in Ukraine or in Russia and be newcomers to Israel. As you remember, in the last big wave of uh, these kind of Jews from the former Soviet Union in the 90s, we had more than one million uh, Jewish newcomers that changed totally the, the face of, uh, of Israel and maybe were the engine to, to, uh, to build what you and your friends built, the startup nation. That's exactly right. I started JVP, the venture capital firm, uh, that I started here in Jerusalem in 1992, 1993, which is exactly when the Russian immigration uh, came and was looking for jobs. And I want to remind you that Israel at the time, the economy of Israel uh, was very weak. And here we are many years later, uh, one of the fastest growing innovation economy. So to your question, yes, we should invite um, new immigrants from the Ukraine, new immigrants from Russia, this is a chance both to give these people um, some livelihood and some assistance, but it's also a chance to, uh, you know, to do what we believe in. The Zionist idea is to uh, make sure the Jews around the world understand that Israel is the place that is their ultimate home, and we invite them here. There's a lot that they can do here. Israel is the fastest growing country in terms of technology. We need employees. There's a lot of opportunities here, not just in the center of the country in Tel Aviv, but also in food tech in the north, in cyber in the south, uh, a variety of, of new ideas that Israel has, and we're looking for people.
And yes, we are employing many uh, people in the Ukraine. Uh, just uh, in the JVP companies, we're employing 400 uh, um, high-tech employees around Kiev and some of the other cities. And we feel for them. Uh, we're helping each and every one of them uh, move to, uh, to another country and to try to uh, move their family as well. So all of our companies are making the efforts and uh, we, we, are, we are proud to be supporting them from a humanitarian standpoint. But as a country, this is a chance to say to many Jews around the world, especially in the Ukraine, especially in Russia, this is your time to come home. We're waiting for you. And there's a lot that you can do here. And there's a lot that we can do here for you. Okay, now let's talk about the war because you know I, I'm hearing uh, the lectures and writing material and, and from you and, and other experts about the cyber. And right now we have a major war in Europe. It's 2022. And we all expected to see a cyber war. And uh, I want to ask you in the current war, how, how do you see the, the cyber threat as we imagined comparing to the actual results on the ground? Because from my point of view, Putin is, is fighting the previous war. He's fighting all over again World War II. And I don't see all the, the stories that we hear about the, the major cyber attacks and to cripple the whole, uh, the whole syst- all the systems in Ukraine. It did not happen or, or am I wrong? No, I think it's happening. Uh, I think it's just hard to see. Look, you know that the Ukrainians have uh, an air force. The air force is not operational primarily because of cyber warfare. Uh, Their air force has been derailed and you can see the convoys of the Russians. There's nothing uh, easier than for fighter jets to be able to take down uh, many of the tanks and the arms carriers and and, and these convoys, but they're not active. They're just not active. One of the reasons that they're not active is because of cyber um, warfare, that they're not able to operate them. Um, there's many, there's many uh, actions, uh, not only against the Ukraine, but also against NATO countries. Uh, the Russians have heightened their activity, uh, both against banks, financial systems, uh, following individuals, following leaders, trying to get material for um, extortion. Uh, we see a lot of action um, that is going on behind the scenes in many of the centers of the data centers in Europe. And so the Russians are, are very active. They are careful right now not to act against the U.S. because the U.S. has been waiting and the U.S. and Israel are probably the two countries that have the most um, what's called uh, red zone cyber capabilities. They can attack back in, in a way that could be very destructive. So I think that the Russians are realizing that they need to be careful if they attack the U.S. financial systems or the hospitals as as the Iranians were doing or the utility companies or uh, just the individuals themselves, the U.S. can attack uh, fiercely back. And I think the Russians are avoiding that for now. But the Ukraine, they're attacking and Europe, they're trying to harm. Actually, what you describe is the the deterrent. We we were used to the nuclear deterrence. Now you are actually talking about cyber deterrence because these two superpowers can cause a lot of uh, damage uh, through cyber. So maybe this is the re- reason, like you said, that the Russians are not getting close to the US 
And uh, I want to touch now uh, the things you said in this uh, major uh, uh, cyber convention in Israel. And you, actually, you mentioned that NATO alliance on its own isn't sufficient and leaders must establish a democratic cyber alliance, or may, may, may I call it a cyber, cyber NATO. What, what should NATO be doing right now to protect Ukraine, if anything, from a cyber perspective? Yeah, I agree. It's the cyber alliance beyond the democratic cyber alliance, I think, beyond NATO. I think Israel, as the second strongest country in terms of companies and uh, abilities in cyber warfare, should be a catalyst to create this alliance. And that's why I'm saying that we should stand firmly in the side of democracies because we're part of it. So every country today has, uh, every uh, normal country uh, has what's called a CERT, a cyber emergency center for its own country to, to defend the banks, the utilities, the, you know, the different uh, uh, countries' facilities. Well, each one of these certs is working independently. And what I'm calling for now is an alliance and trust between the democracies or countries that want to work with the democracies uh, in order to be able to block um, uh, violent forces, whether they be criminal or whether they be uh, country violent forces, uh, because these violent forces are attacking back the banking system because of, because of the sanctions that uh, the US and NATO are imposing. The financial systems in the West are being attacked. Um, democracies have been attacked for the last five years. Every major democratic election in Germany, in England, Brexit, in the US um, and, and many others were attacked by the Russians. And uh, this thing needs to stop. It needs to stop because um, you need to act not only according to the best technology, and we're very proud of it in Israel, but I think that it's time we also acted in the cyber warfare by codes of value. Value to protect the individuals and not to attack them. And so leaders around the world that are using cybersecurity against their people should not be leaders that we work with in, under any circumstance. And um, we should work together, both in terms of blocking financial transfers uh, that are now supporting terror, they're supporting human trafficking, they're supporting uh, arms that are not legal, and they're supporting the attacks of uh, different facilities of countries in a way that's totally unacceptable. And if we don't wake up, we'll find ourselves with our hospital under attacks, with our water systems under attacks, and probably our own democracies under attacks as well. So what I'm saying to the US and I'm saying to all of us, let's wake up. So actually, logistically, how do you mark the bad guys? Because if, if you take all the countries that are on the, the Russian side right now, like North Korea and China and Iran, maybe Iran, Iran is, is, is trying to be neutral because they're going to sign the, the agreement. So what, 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 how, what's a, what will be the common ground of this alliance? And uh, do, you th do you see only states or also private sector? Like, for example, the, the Margalit startup cities that you established all over the world and many Israeli private uh, high-tech and cyber companies, uh, very dominant companies, uh, should be part of it. Exactly, exactly. No. So what you have is you have, uh, you can define your own code. There are new systems 
And, you know, within our own portfolio and, and some other companies, you know, we were the major investor in CyberArk, which is one of the largest cyber companies, or Tetere, which now has a new financial transfer um, uh, system between borders, uh, between countries. You can set the policy. The policy, I think, is fairly clear. First, it needs to be democracies, and these democracies need to work for their people. If they're working against their people um, by using cyber, they, they're out. Uh, two, uh, it's the set of values. You have a lot of crooks out there and a lot of people that are using the cyber domain in order to finance and to support um, bad acts. So whatever it is that the moral code that you define, you can define it. There are new systems today that are beyond SWIFT that can actually block whoever it is that you think is a dictator that's doing bad things and the, 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 the oligarchs or the, the finance that stands behind him or her. And so it could be very clear. And I think that right now, um, the kibernetic space that wants to be supportive of the people um, against fake news, against uh, infringement of, uh, you know, of uh, freedoms, against uh, um, swaying elections to one side or another by uh, a foreign country, against the attack, you know, you talk about Iran, you know, Iran is probably the most active cyber attacker in the region of the Middle East, and the active cyber attacker for, on U.S. and European organizations. So you need to stop them. You need to, uh, you know, you need to stop them strongly and you need to be coordinated because the same techniques that they're using in order to attack a U.S. hospital, they're then using to attack an Israeli hospital. It was just done. So sharing information and catching them and intercepting ahead of time is something that we must do. And I think that we, we should have done it um, but I was talking to the Americans, I'm talking to the Europeans, and I think that it's time that we stand up and coordinate and create a circle of trust, which is an international democratic circle of trust, trust NATO and beyond. And where do, where, when you're talking about the involvement of uh, investors like yourself in the private sector, is there a role if, for these kind of investors also in offensive as well as defensive cyber tech, do you think we should initiate? A, 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 I, I'm not. I'm not a cyber expert, but do, do we have to focus in defending ourselves from these dictatorships and maybe the what whatever we call it, whatever happens in the darknet, or also take the initiative in in offensive cyber? No, I think clearly, and I said this 10 years ago when cyber became one of our uh, main focus of investments and we created the cyber hub in Belsheva, I said very clearly, cyber for investors and in the private sectors needs to be about defense. The offensive techniques that exist out there needs to be in the hands of the government because they need very careful policy in addition to technology. Because if you're selling... Um, um, the uh, offensive cyber uh, to a regime that you don't know well or that you can't really trust, you don't know that they're not going to be using this technology against their own people or in a way that's unacceptable. So what I think is that uh, the, the private sector, investors like ourselves and the companies that we support, we should be doing everything we can, not only to protect the banks, 
to protect the utility companies, to protect the insurance companies and the infrastructure of the country. But we should also do our best to protect the livelihood and the privacy of individuals. Because at the end of the day, if you don't uh, play carefully with cyber, then you could be uh, totally exposed, both as a country, but also as a society. And that's where we need to use our moral code in addition to our uh, code that we're developing and programming in cyber, uh, in cyber programs. Uh, talking about uh, this danger uh, to the state, uh, what, in your opinion, is the greatest threat to Israel from cyber perspective? And uh, in the last uh, answer, we just mentioned a few minutes ago, and I want our listeners to, to be aware of it, uh, the attacks by Iran or other forces uh, on uh, hospitals, it just happened in Israel, in a hospital, I, I guess, one, one mile from my house. It was almost paralyzed from a from a cyber attack. So, what is, in your opinion, the the the, the danger that uh, that Israel should uh, should be prepared to? Well, I think that first of all, we need to understand that when you have cyber offense and cyber defense, there's always an advantage to the cyber offensive. Why? Because when you when you make um, an offensive in cyber, you can always surprise and do something new, which is, would be hard for the defense to intercept. So Israel should be careful because um, there was an attempt to mess with our water systems just recently. There was an attempt yeah. to mess with our electrical system, with the hospitals. Israel, uh, you know, in, in the Knesset, we, we, we legislated and we set a, a civilian cyber authority that actually creates a circle in each of the key businesses in Israel and tries to coordinate the activity so that uh, the different businesses are defended. Israel also has a way of defending the national infrastructure with our security organizations. So I think that mostly we are, you know, we are doing what we think we should be doing. However, we should take into consideration that in the next war or the next big battle, Uh, there will be other countries that will try to um, that will try to mess with our systems, with uh, the communication systems. Every fighter jet today is like a big giant computer, and you can hack it and you can try to mess with it. And one of the biggest um, issues with the F-35 is the F-35 is connected to the networks in a way that, um, on one hand, makes it very sophisticated, on the other hand, makes it vulnerable if you don't have the right cyber defense. So I think that, you know, in our own army, in our own defense forces, we know it well, uh, but we should always surprise ourselves and challenge ourselves because, as you know, we don't have Canada as our neighbor. We have a few other neighbors and we need to be prepared. Um, and cyber defense and cyber offense is one of the ways um, that we need to be active all the time if we're going to be Um, if we're going to operate and, and live and breathe, and this is part of what we're doing here. What will be the legacy uh, of the NSO scandal uh, on Israeli cyber, if any? So I think the NSO affair is a good example of a very good product that we used in the wrong way. And so um, you don't really know um, who's to blame, uh, but that's why you need a uh, A policy, uh, a strategy, because if you're selling a very sophisticated piece of software 
um, that could be um, operated against innocent individuals, then the fact that you developed an amazing technology um, is wonderful. But the fact that you didn't use the moral code to uh, decide who to sell it to, then you took your greatest, uh, greatest uh, talent and you put it in the wrong hand. And so I think that's what uh, the, the cybersecurity industry in Israel, I think that's what the call in the conference was. Guys, you are the best in the world in technology of cybersecurity. Why don't we become the best in the world on the values that we're using uh, for these cybersecurity uh, capabilities so that we work for the good and not for the dictators or those who are trying to harm the people, but those who try to protect them. Yes, I think this, will, uh, this should be the, the solution. And uh, maybe final question, because it's so interesting. How can democracies combat the malicious uh, disinformation without infringing on their rights and freedom uh, of speech and of the citizen, etc.? How can you balance between these two uh, interests and needs? Well, I think there needs to be legislation. So organizations like Facebook or Google that have a great power and are creating networks which can, um, can spread information. There needs to be um, a good policy uh, of legislation that you can't uh, distribute harmful, false information but false information needs to stop. Um, and they have the technology in order to do that. And sometimes some of these organizations got carried away because a lot of the antagonistic comments, some of which are fabricated, they create the most traffic. And obviously organizations want traffic because traffic is advertising and advertising is money. But I think that the legislation um, that you have must demand that false information should be stopped at its core. I think we have the technology to do this. And once again, just like using the moral code in cybersecurity, we need to use the moral code in spreading information or stopping it because I think it's possible and I think it's time because people have been using the network in the worst ways and innocent people have been getting information that is totally wrong just because it lights the fire under somebody's, uh, uh, under somebody's legs where people want to do this. So I think we, we can do it and we can stop it. And I'm calling for uh, cybersecurity companies. We have some of them that are not only spreading information, but are good at stopping information when it's wrong and when it's, uh, when it's false. And finally, uh, let's talk about vision, because your vision uh, in the last three decades is uh, what brought us uh, with, with other uh, entrepreneurs to what we are now in Israel. And, and I want to ask you, where do you see the greatest uh, opportunities for Israeli cyber companies in 2022 and beyond? So I think that cyber today can be a, a, a catalyst, A, to protect democracy and the individuals that live in it. The next free election in a major country should be protected because in the last few elections, it was attacked, number one. Number two, cyber can actually help protect environment as well. So we hear climate tech. And one of the things that we're doing in our cyber center in New York we're actually creating a climate tech center that works with cyber capabilities in order to protect the environment 
in various ways. And you can do that just like you have a policy against crooks. You can have a policy against the crooks that, um, you know, that destroy the environment. And so I think that cybersecurity can be at the core of many of the good revolutions that we need to have. Um, cyber defense also needs to come into healthcare because after COVID, uh, many of the systems are no longer in the big hospitals, but they need to be at the home or in the community. These systems are great, but they're very vulnerable. So you need cybersecurity in order to defend patients, which are being treated from afar. And that's a big deal, healthcare and cyber, that is a big challenge for Israel. Um, and I think that Israel has a variety of additional things that it needs to embark on. We're, we're embarking on a big food tech initiative in the Galley, a big healthcare IT initiative in Haifa, uh, a big cyber an, initiative in the South, and AI and a variety of new initiatives in FinTech in Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. So I think that we have big challenges in the world and Israel should continue to play a major role in solving them. And as we do that, we have a chance to create about 200,000 jobs in the most interesting technologies and allow the young population to make a good living and to move this country forward. I think it's time. I wish we had more time, but uh, it was so interesting. Dr. Erel Margalit, I want to thank you very much for your second uh, talk with us here in On Israel in Unmonitor. Thank you. Toda raba, uh, and bye-bye. Goodbye. Toda Erel. Thank you, Ben. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Hello, I'm uh, Gilles Kepel, professor at uh, Sciences Po and Normal Sup in Paris and author of a number of uh, books and articles on the Middle East. Through my new podcast, Reading the Middle East, on the award-winning media service and monitor, we will take a deep dive into the trends in the region with the authors and thought leaders who are shaping how we think about the Middle East. Reading the Middle East will be a fantastic addition to Almonitor's outstanding podcast lineup, including On the Middle East with Andrew Paraziliti and Amber Inzaman, and On Israel with Ben Kaspit. You can subscribe on your favorite listening platforms. We look forward to your joining our conversation. Thank you for uh, staying with us. In uh, this conversation with uh, Mr. Hightech in Israel, Dr. Uh, and former uh, Knesset member, uh, Eren Margalit, he, uh, he repeated what he said to the, to the cyber, to the big cyber convention in Israel uh, last week, that uh, all the democratic state in the world should establish now something like, uh, he called it the Democratic Cyber Alliance. It's like NATO, but it's beyond NATO in his words. And Israel, of course, should be in the center of uh, this initiative. And even uh, investors and private sector, he heads uh, one of the biggest uh, uh, group uh, in cyber and high-tech in Israel, uh, the JVP group and the Margalit Startup City in New York and many other places in Dubai and Jerusalem, etc. And, uh, and, and he said that cyber in the private sector should be focused uh, about defense, not uh, offensive. Offensive cyber should be in the hands of governments. 
uh, more regulated uh, and not in the hands of uh, private people. This is Erel uh, Margalit's opinion, of course. And uh, I asked him about the, the Israeli stand right now, uh, and uh, we, we heard that Prime Minister Bennett visited Moscow on Saturday uh, secretly, and then flew to, uh, to Berlin and spoke to Zelensky, and he's trying maybe to mediate or, or try to, to, to help the sides and the rivals uh, reach anything, even uh, human, humanitarian corridors inside Ukraine. And uh, Rehma Galit said that uh, Israel have, uh, as he said, every young Israeli has to know that uh, his country have to stop playing games and to speak clear and firm against the aggression of Putin. He said uh, that Israel needs to stand with NATO and the Western world in the broad uh, battle against the dictatorship. And Israel is a democracy and it needs to speak up, and not only in hints. One of the most interesting points in the conversation was, I think, when I asked him about the war, the current war, because we were uh, educated and heard for years now that the next wars will be cyber wars and everything will be done by cyber and uh, states will be crippled by cyber and we will see less blood and bombing on the streets, uh, but more cyber. And uh, El Margalit surprised me when he said that uh, uh, it's happening. Actually, he said that uh, it's, uh, it's difficult, uh, difficult to understand, but the, the, the Ukrainian Air Force, for example, is crippled by uh, cyber warfare, and we, we really we don't see a lot of uh, Ukrainian Air Force. But on the other hand, we also don't see a lot of uh, Russian Air Force, and the Russians has uh, hundreds of fighter jets they, only for the Ukrainian invasion. They have a lot more. So maybe we, maybe we still we have a lot of cyber in this war. In any case, he says uh, that we see a lot of cyber action in this war, not only against Ukraine, uh, also against uh, other countries in the, in the West. And uh, he also mentioned the, the, the ability and the potential of uh, Russian cyber. Uh, but he emphasized that the Russians are not uh, getting anywhere close to the United States right now because these two superpowers are also cyber superpowers and an all-out war between uh, the USA and, uh, and Russia in cyber is, is bad news. Uh, finally, I asked him about uh, the opportunity of Israel uh, to, to bring now between 100 and 200,000 Jews from uh, Ukraine and Belarus and uh, Russia. And uh, because last time it happened, it was more than a million Jews in the 90s after the, the Soviet Union was, uh, was uh, collapsing. And he said that uh, he was uh, here in Israel when the million Jews came and uh, that Israel became the fastest growing uh, country technology-wise because of this uh, immigration from uh, previous Soviet Union states and, uh, and we have to do anything and everything we can to convince these people, uh, as he said, and call it, to come home. Thank you for listening uh, this time and I hope to find you here next week, next time, same place, on Israel and Monitor, I'm Ben Speak in Tel Aviv. Thank you. Take care and bye-bye.